I am uh, not, the, not the guy there in your bulletin that it says Dakota Matthew introduction, I think, is what, what the plan was. I'm glad I, I uh, picked Luke chapter 1. I thought about that, even asked Andy, oh, what did Dakota teach last week? Because I, was, I, I just didn't ask him yesterday when he uh, call, or texted and, and um, asked if I was available this morning. I didn't ask him. I, I've seen that happen before where I went to a Christian college and a pretty well-known pastor, many of you probably know John MacArthur, had been at my college for a couple of days in chapel. This was a Christian school. And then the next week, another guy, not as prominent, but still a pretty, pretty well-known Bible teacher showed up and taught the exact same text for two days. And uh, he, he didn't know that, of course, until the second day. And he got up and he, he said to the uh, student body and to the professors, well, if MacArthur would have gotten it right last week, I wouldn't have to. So I was wondering, am I going to have to say something like that? If, if Dakota would have gotten it right last week, then. Uh, but no, that's not the case. So. I'm sorry for his uh, situation there with the fever, uh, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning and uh, just take it as the providence of God. I hope you'll join me in uh, thinking of it that way. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. You've already been encouraged to turn there. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 39 through 45, one of my favorite one of my favorite episodes in the uh, so-called infancy narratives. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 is where I will begin. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary... The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Well, let's just bow and pray once again. Lord, as we think about this very interesting and enjoyable story, this instance, this, this moment in time of salvation history, Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what we need to understand and how we need to think about the, the arrival of Jesus onto this earth. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is definitely a difference between how I respond to something, or even my son. How, well, let me put my son and, and put me with my son together. How we respond versus how my wife and my girls respond. When it's uh, the, the question that somebody's presented 
and it would be another, it would be a lady who's presenting this question. Uh, guess who's pregnant? So my son and I will say, oh, who? And we get the answer, and we'll say, oh, that's nice. What time's the game on? Uh, that's, how, you know, I mean, good, good for them. I'm happy about that. That's okay. Now, how do you think my wife and my girls respond to the question? I uh, guess who's pregnant? Oh, who? Who? And then they hear, they're like, there's excitement. And then they've got to just talk about it for the next 30 or 45 minutes as my son and I go off and do something else while they just kind of talk about who, who's pregnant and what's going on and all of it's 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 exciting to both of us, yeah, but exciting in different ways, I guess you could say. Ladies have to talk about it. Well, you got a couple of ladies here in this story, two pregnant ladies, and they got together to talk about it. Mary and her cousin, Elizabeth. However, you do see a couple of, of guys, a couple of males, let's say, here. They're, they're not men yet, of course, because they're still in the womb. And, and in a sense, they're talking about it as well. Of course, I'm talking about John the Baptist and Jesus. Now, what was going on in Elizabeth's womb uh, was an answer to prayer. If we would spend the time and look back earlier in the chapter, we would discover that, well, first of all, just look at verse 7 of of Luke chapter 1. Speaking of Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So the idea would be they had no child and they weren't going to have a child. At least that would be the way you would read it. You would understand she's, she's barren and she's advanced in years, maybe 60, 65, maybe 70. So was Zechariah. However, Zechariah had prayed for a child and he's doing this priestly service in the temple and the angel comes to him and uh, verse 12, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fell, fear fell upon him. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So that's what's going on in Elizabeth's life and in her pregnancy. She was to give birth to the forerunner of the Messiah. And then, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel came to the teenage lady, Mary, and promised that she would give birth to the Messiah. So look over in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let me just start, and I'll just read starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, that is of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." 
he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But then look at verse 34 because Mary asks just a totally legitimate question. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And how did Mary respond? Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, that's all then the background to what many have called then, verses 39 through 45, many have called this the visitation. Once she heard, once Mary heard about Elizabeth's pregnancy, what did Mary do? Well, Mary traveled to see her. It's about a four or five day journey south of Nazareth to a town in Judah. She, she went to see it with her own eyes. Wait, Elizabeth is pregnant? She certainly would have gone to rejoice in God doing the impossible in Elizabeth's life. But also the way the story is told and the, the, the reason, uh, one of the reasons that Elizabeth is mentioned to Mary when she can hardly believe what's going on in her tummy is to give some confirmation. Look, this is happening to you, and guess what's happening to Elizabeth? So I'm just convinced Mary goes to check this thing out, not only to rejoice with Elizabeth, but to get some confirmation for what was going on in her own womb. Well, there's no surprise in what initially happened upon arriving uh, at Elizabeth's house, Mary greeted Elizabeth. Now, we're supposed to imagine this here. We're, we're given this from Luke because it's a, it's a real story, and we're supposed to be thinking about this in our minds, and so we're supposed to see these two ladies. So you have Elizabeth, 65 years old, maybe 70 years old, too old to be pregnant, yet showing and, there, and you have, standing there, I don't think they were looking at each other's eyes, probably looking at each other's stomachs. You have 13, 14-year-old Mary, still a virgin, yet pregnant, and not yet showing. Two first-time mothers of the children of promise. But then something happened before Elizabeth could respond. Sensing the presence of the Lord Jesus in Mary's womb, John leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb. So uh, when Elizabeth speaks, 
we learn that we knew she, uh, she knew that this had happened. Do you see that in verse 44? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, how in the world does she know that? I think there are a couple of answers. One answer is moms just know this stuff. They know when things are going on in, in the womb. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, my wife, so my third child was born with Williams syndrome, and I'm telling you, my wife knew something is different. And she said it throughout the pregnancy. Moms just know. And so you, you know that Elizabeth had felt John move in various ways, but this something was different about this. There, it was like one of those, right? Or, I don't know. Was it one of the, How does that work? I don't even know. How does the anatomy work? But you get it. There was something different that she felt and experienced. And then we must also quickly add verse 41 that says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's also how she would have known. And then John's leap was extraordinary. How do you explain that? Well, I think we have to say, if nothing else, it's because he was filled with the Holy Spirit as well. Now, how do I know that? Because look at verse 15. This is when the angel's talking to Zechariah, and the angel says, For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. (laughs) So, uh Highly unusual, right? We we, uh, haven't seen anything quite like what we're seeing here, have we? So he's leaping in the presence of Jesus. Now, speaking of the Holy Spirit, what happens next is Elizabeth sings. Uh, most, Most would say this is the first of five songs that unfold here in Luke. Some have said Elizabeth sang the first Christmas carol. Notice she sang loudly. Verse 42, she exclaimed with a loud cry. So John leaps and Elizabeth sings. Elizabeth sang perceptively and prophetically. Just listen again to 42 through 45. This is her song. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So how was she able to sing so perceptively and even prophetically? I think we have to, again, go back to verse 41. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I think we also would say of Elizabeth, something else was going on before this. If you go back to chapter 1, or earlier in chapter 1, verse 6, it says of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And so a combination of scripture saturation 
and the filling of the Holy Spirit led to something powerful in this moment. And so what's happening here is within the first two chapters of Luke, the long-anticipated transition is displayed from old to new, from promise to fulfillment. Prophet after prophet promised a Messiah, God's anointed king, God's son, the Savior, prophet after prophet. And then John the Baptist comes, and he would be the final prophet who would prepare people for the Christ, who would point people, you remember, John chapter 1, to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in our story, what we have is these two meeting for the first time, and John does what he was destined to do. By his leaping, he declared the superiority of Jesus. And we're just given a glimpse of something that was going to develop dramatically a few decades later between these two. And these two ordinary cousins, just, just normal people, Elizabeth and Mary, these two are swept up in this thing. In Christ's arrival. And those two ladies and John respond so appropriately to the arrival of Jesus on the earth. In fact, that's what I want us just to think about briefly this morning from this story. These three, so I'm talking about Mary, I'm talking about Elizabeth and John, these three teach a few ways, as we enter into this Christmas season, we think about all that's going on here. These three teach us a few ways we should respond to Christ's arrival on earth. A few ways we should respond to Christ's arrival on earth. I just want to give you three. First of all, we should be amazed that he's come at all. We should be amazed that he, that he, that he even came. Verse 43, and why, Elizabeth says, and why is this granted to me? Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth could not believe she was so favored, not because her cousin came. I mean, that had happened before it would happen again. No, 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 no. The woman bearing God's son, her Lord, my Lord. You should think Psalm 110 there. Psalm Psalm 110, Uh, David saying, my Lord. Elizabeth saying, my Lord. She could not believe he was there. She was astounded at his arrival. She was amazed that he had drawn near. Are, Are we amazed at anything anymore? I mean, we were talking beforehand. Maybe we're, we should still be amazed at the arrival of a baby. I mean, the whole thing is astounding, isn't it? Are you still amazed at that whole process? <laughs> and, and a baby coming into it's That's pretty, okay, but we kind of forget that because we hear about pregnancies. And, you know, I, I just wonder if the past few years have just dulled us 
You know, we, we were pretty amazed a few years ago at some stuff, but now it's like, ah, man, I'm, nothing surprises me anymore. Well, maybe that's true, but may God help us to be amazed at what we should be amazed at. And I'm saying principally here, uh, over everything else, be amazed at the arrival of the Son of God on planet Earth. It's, it's amazing. And, and why is it What makes his coming amazing is it is the opposite of what we deserve. He didn't come into a good world. He came into a bad world. And, and he, it's not bad because of a, a few really, really bad people. It's bad because of all of us. Because of who we were when we came into this world. When we, when we came in. When we arrived. Born in sin. Going the wrong way. Uh, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, I was speaking in uh, various prisons in Oklahoma. And there was one prison that had some of the worst, you know what I mean? And um, my credentials were not right. So I had to wait on something. And so the guys that had invited me to speak, they, they, I told them, I'll be fine. Just go on ahead. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine walking into the middle of this uh, prison yard with murderers and rapists. I'll be fine. So they did. They went on ahead. And uh, so I waited. Finally, I got approved. And I... The, the prison guard said to me, go out there, go down the, the, the sidewalk, go left, go right, you'll see where they're meeting. I'm like, okay. I go out there, I walk into the mi- middle of this kind of prison yard, I'm on the sidewalk, and there are so many ways I can go. I have, I'm just standing there, just looking around like, I, I don't know. I was lost. And all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, there are prisoners out in the yard. They're kind of checking me out. And all of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, I hear, you're going the wrong way. (laughs) And I was. I was lost. And you know what happened? A couple of prisoners came over, and they just helped me. And they they guided me the right way. And I, I got into that meeting. was a able to minister to the men there. Well, that, that's, that's the story of our lives, actually. We come into this world. What, is, what does Isaiah say? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. You're going the wrong way. Yet, here's the astonishing thing. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The angel said to to Joseph, call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will, and he did. He, He accomplished his mission. Now, it's still being applied today, but... His mission was accomplished, at least that he came the first time. He came not just to be born, but to die. He gave his life while remaining God. He, Jesus became a man 
lived a sinless life, and died for sinners bearing God's wrath. It's astonishing that he even came, and then he came to do that. So, first of all, how should we respond to the arrival of Jesus? Shock, amazement that he even came. But then second of all, how should we respond? We should leap for joy and trust in this Jesus to save us. The three people here in the presence of Jesus all needed a Savior. You're like, yeah, Elizabeth, yeah, John, Mary? Maybe somebody's sitting here saying that. Mary, because you have a, a, a background in the Catholic Church, perhaps, that has exalted her way beyond where the Bible exalts her. She was just like Elizabeth, in just as much need of a Savior. In fact, she's going to go on, and she is going to sing. And what is she going to say? I didn't read this, but 46, 47. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. They all needed a Savior, and they all responded to God's work and word and son by believing. And so one author says, this is how everyone should respond to Jesus Christ, by trusting him as Savior and rejoicing in him as Lord. We have even better reason to believe in Jesus than John and Elizabeth had. They rejoiced over his conception, but we also rejoice for his crucifixion and resurrection. This is why Luke wrote his gospel. So we would know for sure that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised again to give us eternal life. Now everyone who believes in Jesus leaps for joy and calls him Lord. His death only applies to those who acknowledge their lostness. Remember me out there in the prison yard? I was pretty confident I was lost. I knew I needed help. I knew I needed to be rescued. Well, you got to come to that place before this Savior even matters. What are we doing? Just sharing gifts? Putting up lights? Watching another Hallmark movie? Is that, that what this is about? There's no way. This is about... God setting in motion visibly the most amazing rescue operation that has ever been known on this earth. And, and you've got to know. You, you've got to just sin, and, and you do. You know there is God, and you know you sin against him, and, and you should know. You should know. You, you can't save yourself. It takes the work of another upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death. I stake my whole eternity. And and you may be beyond physical leaping. 2020 ruptured Achilles basically has caused me to never want to lunge or leap again in my life. I get it, but you can leap in your heart for this Jesus, this Savior. So in a sense, you know, what are we doing here? Yesterday, I'm at a thrift store, but I'm between thrift stores, and I get a text 
can you come? Can you fill in? And here we are. And you just have to, what, what are we doing? Are we just going through the motions? No way. I promise you. I was, I was up last night thinking, praying, working for, for your joy. And your joy is not me having this kind of finely crafted anything like that. Your joy is this Jesus. And that this, this would be a room full of leapers. Um, the reason we can be so happy about Christ's birth is because it, it points us forward to his death. This is why they didn't quite know it all in detail. Mary, did you know, you know, the song? Well, yeah, she kind of did, but she kind of didn't. You know, people rip that song. I don't understand. I mean, whatever. Why do we rip songs? But what does the Bible say? The Bible says she did know, but she didn't. But she knew something. Elizabeth knew. John knew. All right. This is the Savior. He has come. That's why they were so happy. The sinful earth was sunk in woe. No arm was found of power to save. The Son of God appeared below to conquer death and spoil the grave. That's like an I have no idea if that song is ever sung. It's a Christmas song that probably we don't sing, but I like the lyrics. And I like, I like the idea that is presented there that um, no arm was found of power to save. In other words, on this earth, there was nothing. Nothing you can do, nothing I can do. It's going to take an outside something, an outside rescue operation, and that is exactly what Christmas is about, is this this rescue that has been set in motion way before the arrival of Jesus. But you see it now here, publicly at least, in his arrival on this earth as the God-man. And so it's not my works plus his works by his life, by his death, plus nothing will you be saved. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to thy cross I cling. The amazing thing about Christmas is we can't make ourselves acceptable to God, so Christ came to do it for us. And we can get very fixated, by the way, it's not just the Catholic doctrine that can lead people to becoming fixated on externals, like religious practices and and uh, baptisms and and you know confession of sin or whatever it is. It's not just in the Catholic Church where that can happen. It can happen in the Baptist Church, where we get very fixated on the externals, like church attendance, like baptism, like trying to be a good person. But none of that is able ever to make us right with God. It 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 is only. Our fundamental need is the work of Christ applied to our lives. And some of you sitting here perhaps have had years of trying to be a Christian. And it's exhausted you, and it, it, it doesn't, it's not, it, you know it just doesn't work. Am, am I ever good enough? Am I ever acceptable enough? And you're just like, like the, the, of the one lady I heard about, 
and her testimony. This is maybe you. You know, she just feels like she's barely hanging on to the side of the cliff. She's just like, just holding on barely, just trying to keep herself accepted before a holy God, just, just, just slipping away though. And then finally one day, what did she do? She just, she just let go. And she said, and I fell back into the loving arms of the Savior, Jesus. She was, she, she was done relying on herself. And she began relying in this all-sufficient Savior. This is the story of my 20-year-old's life, Katie. She just, she just was afraid of failure. Dad, I just, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. She just couldn't take the step, you know, to say she was a believer. She just couldn't, she just couldn't say, I'm ready, I'm ready to be baptized. She just, and I couldn't make her do it. What does that do for us? It does nothing for us. Uh, it does nothing for her. I, I, I I thought she was a believer before she did, but I couldn't make her. And then finally, I'm I'm sitting there at my house eating some lunch, and she was home from work, and she just came into the room. And she said, Dad, I'm trusting in Christ. I'm going to fail, but he'll never fail. Um, and then, and then the next day, you know how we do, we're careful the next day. I'm like, are you sure? So it was probably a dumb question. Are you sure? And she said, dad, kind of like, remember the disciples in John six, dad, where else can I go? That's what she said. So I had the privilege of baptizing her then a few months ago. It's all of Christ. Are you afraid of failure? Guess what? Join the club. You're going to be a failure at times. Are you saying that I can just believe in Jesus and I'm going to run off and I can do whatever I want? No, you're misunderstanding. When you you come to this Savior, you don't want to run off and do whatever you want. He he changes you. He, He delivers you not only from the penalty that our sin warrants, but he delivers us from this enslaving subjection under sin that we've lived until he sets us free. How should we respond to the arrival? Well, uh, of Jesus, we should be shocked. We should, we should leap for joy and trust in him to save us. This is why John leaped for joy, Elizabeth and Mary sang for joy, because the Savior had come. And then finally, third, we should follow Christ in humility. We should follow Christ in humility. Elizabeth, think about Elizabeth. She had some pretty big stuff going on in her life, didn't she? She was having a Sarah, Rebecca, Hannah kind of experience. She, like Sarah, she was too old to get pregnant. But there she was. Pretty big stuff. Yet, once Mary arrived with the Messiah in her womb, 
Elizabeth became self-forgetful. The focus shifted to Mary and ultimately to the fruit in Mary's womb. Verse 42, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You know what the world says? The world says, the world is telling us we got to believe some of these, these mantras like prioritize self. Look out for your own interests. The world says to us, you should believe it's all about me. You should be all about get yours. Have you heard this? Get yours. No. When Jesus comes into our lives and we are united to him by faith, He sets us free from such selfish, unfulfilling, enslaved thinking and behavior. And it's true. We love to be around people like Elizabeth, don't we? You see her coming in the door. And you're, you're glad about that. Why? Because she's self-centered? She's going to make it all about her? No. It's because she's the opposite of that. Oh, may, may God make us more like Elizabeth, who, by the way, gave birth to John the Baptist, who, what did he eventually say once he was all grown up? He must increase, I must decrease. Have you ever wondered where he got some of these ideas? Maybe he got them from his mom. You know, may God help us to be the kind of people that other people don't have to prepare themselves to be around us. To be the kind of people that are Philippians 2 kind of people. Who, who have, have the, the mind of Christ and, and the attitude of Christ and we look upon others as more significant than ourselves. One way we should respond to the arrival of Jesus on this earth is we should follow Christ in humility. So do you see the progression here? There's a bit of a progression have you heard? So what, what about the arrival of Jesus? How, how should that affect us? Well, uh, we should be just amazed that he's even come. And then we should leap for joy and trust in him to save us. And then what? Well, then follow him humbly. Saying with Elizabeth this Christmas and every day of our lives, why is this granted to me? Why is this granted? It certainly wasn't anything that I was, because I was good, because there was nothing. Why was this granted to me? It's, it's like, I think I have it back here. It's like the hymn writer, I've forgotten his name. Uh, Daniel Whittle. 
I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeem me for his own. I don't get it, but it's pretty amazing. It ought to cause us to leap. And we ought to be the most humble people this Christmas by God's grace. So let's pray together. Well, we're so thankful for this just little story, this little episode of these two giants of redemptive history meeting as these two common, ordinary people in history came together once again. And we see in John what we want in our lives as believers, and that is to point people to Jesus that they would come away from us not thinking we are about ourselves, but that we love Christ. And and, uh, he has had a profound effect upon our lives. So help us this Christmas and even into the new year to just be amazed that he's come, our Savior has come, and to leap for joy, at least in our hearts, and to trust in him and to keep trusting him And then to be humble people because of what you have done for us through your son. In whose name we pray. Amen.